This episode of Heavy Cardboard is brought to you from the great folks over at Gamesurplus.com, bringing the world of board games to you. Now, on to the show. Heavy Cardboard, episode 89, Smorgasbord. Bork, bork, bork. Coming to you from the Glory to Rome headquarters in Denver, Colorado, welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium and heavy strategy board games, war games, 18xx, and other related topics in the board gaming hobby. We're your hosts, I'm Amanda. And I'm Edward. Hello, God everyone. Bless you. God bless you. <laughs> so we leave for Essen in nine days, yeah? Yes, we do. That's exciting. Yeah. Well, I'm I, excited. I don't... Yeah. I'm looking forward to a fresh Stroop waffle because yeah, I've only that, ever I had... I mean, ultimately, that really is what is the highest thing on your list, is it not? It, no, it's really not. It's seeing, it's seeing stuff that I've never, ever seen before. Like, ever. It's... Like, like you say, like the the Netherlands and Germany in general, yeah, you just, mean, or just what? Overseas in general, I've never been there. Fair point. All right. So yeah, I mean, you guys have heard before that we leave October twentieth, which is Friday in the afternoon, uh, for the Netherlands. Uh, we're gonna stay there for a few days, have a Dutch heavy cardboard game day, mm-hmm. which I'm really really excited yeah, about. Me That's too. Gonna, I'm curious to see what a game store is in another country. I've never been to mm-hmm. one. That'll be cool to see. Looking forward to that. That's going to be just crazy. And then we have the hockey game before mm-hmm. Essen. And then we have Essen. Essen. Just a whole bunch of stuff that some of it's new to both of us and some of it's just new to me, but I'm... I get to experience it as, as if, new, right? right through, through your me. eyes. Yeah, so that's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be amazing. And one of my friends from work has already given me a list of cocos that she would like for me to try to procure. While we're overseas. Okay, overseas in Netherlands or in Germany or I don't, just I told her somewhere. we were going to the Netherlands as well, and her response was, oh, so I have no idea. But her son used to be stationed in Germany, so she got used to the delicious cocoa they have there that he would send to her. No clue. Okay, so if you're listening to this and you're over there, help uh, procure, help us. Yeah, I will let everybody in our... Slack channel know the list of things that Anne would like for me to procure and maybe somebody can help me. (laughs) That's awesome. All right. So speaking of Essen, let's go ahead and give some details about what the plan is both for you and I Mm -hmm. heavy and heavy cardboard as well as listeners, the meetup, what booth we're going to be at, the whole nine yards. Yes. So to start off with, the booth we're going to be at is uh, booth 2D128. That's ADC Blackfire's booth. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty good sized booth. It's it's definitely hard to miss. And we're going to have like a, it's a banner that I want to say it's like. It's the size of a door. It'll be on our yeah, door. It's, yeah, it's huge. So you shouldn't, you shouldn't miss it if you're looking for it. Right. And we're going to have a meeting room there with a see-through wall for mm-hmm. when we do interviews. So folks can take a gander and watch. That's going to be a little fishbowl exciting but yeah. a little weird too. it really makes me want to go buy a hat like a nemo hat and wear it oh that's funny i really should do that you think, really should i think dory would be more apropos for me <laughs> maybe gill because he's you know weathered 
for me. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's booth two delta one twenty eight. Yes. So right. that's hall two booth D one two eight. So we're gonna be there. The plan is we're going to be uh hosting a game of Kalimala along with Uli and mm-hmm. a couple of patrons. Yes. Uh, that we're going to do a drawing for later on this weekend. And then we're going to, that's on Thursday morning. We're going to spend a good chunk of the day after that game hanging out at the booth, Mm -hmm. uh, just waiting to meet folks for the most part. And then on Friday, we're going to be out and about running around, exploring, doing all that stuff. And then on Saturday, we have another game. Of Kalimala mm-hmm. at the at the booth at the ADC Blackfire booth. This one without Uli because that man is going to be just completely crazy yes. busy with meetings and everything. So you and I are going to host one. Correct. And anybody that wants to send us an email, they can do that to get mm-hmm. into the drawing. Now you have to. You only have what three days to get this in because we're doing the drawing on Sunday. So get your emails into Kalimala at heavycardboard.com. By October 15th. Right. We're going to do the drawing on the 15th. So do it by the end of the day Mm -hmm. on the 14th for y'all. All All right. If you're interested, if if you're free. So the game on Thursday, I believe, is at 1130. And I think the game on Saturday is at 1300. uh, ADC Blackfire put out a tweet with a graphic that has all the information on it. And they also also posted it over on their Facebook page. So so you can check that out there. Yeah. Anytime. Just search for ADC Blackfire on social media and you should find it. So that takes care of of where we're going to be and where that that's going to be our home base kind of like if if you saw me or you i guess heard last year uh what's your game hosted me at their booth so this is going to be kind of a similar thing that this is just going to be our base of operations and all our we'll be selling t-shirts there we're going to have a ton of lisboa promos yes. there so very very excited that we the printing of the new uh, copies, because the ones that obviously 2,700 of them, along with untold hundreds of oh. copies of Lisboa, went up in flames Makes in China. Me sick. The good news, they're reprinted and they are here. So we are going to have plenty of promos for everybody that wants them. Mm-hmm. We're going to do the exact same thing that we did at Gen Con. You come to the booth, buy a shirt. We're going to be charging 20 euros for mm-hmm. a shirt there at the uh, at the booth, and you get a Lisboa promo thrown in with it. That supports the show, and you get the most comfortable shirt you'll ever wear, and you may want to do this on Thursday. The reason I'm saying on Thursday is once you wear the shirt, you're going to be like, probably should have got another yeah, one. Yeah, you're going to want to come back and get another one. Right. And the good news is we have 160 shirts between the four colors that we are bringing we hope that's enough. Yes, we do. <laughs> that's a good problem to have. Yeah. I mean, I hope we run out, but yeah. And we're going to have plenty of, like I said, Lisboa promos yep. to give away along with those. So yep. really, really excited about that. And then the thing I'm most excited about. And somebody asked me during the uh, AMA on Reddit, somebody asked me uh, what moment like stands out for over the course of the history of the show so far. And that was a super easy question for me because it was the meetup at Essen last year when we had it booked for 80 and I was worried like 
10 people would show up. We had like 110 people mm-hmm. show up. That was crazy. Yeah. So we have the same place booked for this year, although we're going to try and get a little bit more space for this year. But anyway, we're going to have the Golden Elephant Award for 1822 there. Uh, unfortunately, as I've mentioned in the past, Simon Cupforth won't be there because it's his son's birthday. Mm-hmm. He's going to have a proxy, though. But it's just, it was such a cool experience for me. And I cannot wait for this year for that similar experience. Plus, you'll be there. I know. So that's yeah, going to be a lot of fun. It was heartbreaking is, I think, the best word to hear about it and not be there. So that's going to be at 1900 on Friday at Fritz Patrick's. There's no RSVP needed. Uh, here's what I will tell you, though, is I got there at 1855 at 655 in the evening, five minutes before, you know, the shindig was supposed to kick off. I couldn't get a seat at, at our own meetup. So plan accordingly, guys. Um, everybody is welcome that hears this. There's going to be a lot of designers, a lot of publishers, a lot of industry people. Mm-hmm. If that's if you want to meet folks, that's yep. going to be a really good place to do so. So yeah, um, hopefully y'all come and hang out with us. 1900 on Friday at Fritz Patrick's. Big thank you to our sponsor, BoardGameTables.com. If you're in the market for a customized, one-of-a-kind board game table, Go check them out, boardgametables.com. So we do continue to have our patron drive going on. Go over to pledgehc.com to check it out. We definitely appreciate all the support from everybody that has uh, become a patron and that has been a patron. Mm -hmm. So thank you to everybody as well as those that have uh, helped spread the word. Keep it up. We appreciate it. Pledgehc.com. All right. So we're going to be going somewhere else for... Heard around the world. Yeah, so we had our first drawing, or our second drawing, I'm sorry. Our first drawing was uh, July 16th, I think, is when we had the first one, when we hit the milestone on Patreon. Mm -hmm. And Space Monkey won that, and he's over in Sweden. Mm -hmm. Long story short, we had a couple ideas of when to go. One didn't work out for us. The second, he was like, ooh, bad time to come to Sweden. And third time, June. So it sounds like we're going to Sweden in June. (laughs) Yes, it does. Awesome. The second drawing was this last Sunday, and we had 416 people in the drawing, and we drew... Craig! Yep. Uh, Craig B. Mm-hmm. won the drawing, and he is down in Abilene, Texas. Yes, he is. Somebody was like, wait, that means you draw again, isn't it? Because we had the prerequisite or the uh, the rule that if you're within 600 miles, that's driving distance like, for us. Texas is 600 miles, so... Alone. <laughs> As it was, Abilene is 700 miles almost exactly. Yeah, so, nope, far. we're not going to redraw based on that. Mm-hmm. However, uh, Craig is going to get back to us sometime in the next month or so on whether or not he wants to take advantage of this or whether to have us redraw. Now, there's obviously he won, so he right. doesn't have to. It's his we're choice. more than happy to go to Abilene. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking barbecue. So, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. let, let's hook it up. Go see the Texas sky again. Right. And so, yeah, so that's where the second drawing was. I mean, it's random. 
Right. We didn't know where we were going. Yep. So yeah, congratulations, Craig. Really excited to head on down to Texas. I have to say, though, that some of the funniest chat is after we draw the person's name because you get inundated with, man, you know what? I misspelled my name whenever I signed up. It's not actually Brad. It's Craig. Or, you know, my name really isn't Matias. It's Craig. You know, it's so it's really funny. You you sure spell Matias funny. Right. C-R-A-I-G. <laughs> it's so what? weird. It's really it's so yeah, funny. Yeah, it, it is. So we appreciate it. And it, we're excited. So hopefully, hopefully, if you're down in the Abilene area or whatnot, obviously more details to come later right. on as we go along as this gets closer. So pretty cool. Pretty excited about that trip as well. Well, if we make that If we trip, make it. And if not, excited to draw again. Yes. We'll see how it goes. So switching gears, we bid adieu to a friend of ours over on Punching Cardboard. Eric has decided to step away from the show, as I'm sure a number of y'all have heard. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that I'm I'm sad and I'm happy all the way around. And I'm sad because I thought that Jim and Eric had an incredible chemistry right. and really good, just a really good dynamic on their show. And I appreciated and thoroughly enjoyed listening to each and every episode when it came out. So that's the sad side of it. The excited side is kind of twofold. I'm excited for Eric uh, because the reason he's stepping away is due to work. He's moving up in his company to where he's going to be way, way up in the company, it sounds like, and he's got to spend more time with that. So I imagine that can only be a positive for a professional, you know, from a professional standpoint. So that's exciting. Plus, he's got a couple of kids and he wants to spend more time with them and even though you and I don't have kids, I can appreciate I can, that. Yeah, I can understand. Completely understand. So happy trails and and uh, safe travels to Eric. Mm-hmm. And uh, welcome. And welcome, Joe Sturgis, who uh, they just released their episode last night while I was out playing cards. So that was <laughs> that was cool. They uh, I got to listen to the episode on the way home because it's a long drive up right. the mountain. And I got to say... Joe sounded really, really good. Although I'm not really surprised. Joe's been on their show once yeah. before. We played games with Joe, and he's yeah, yeah. very he, articulate, very, very uh, cerebral in in the best way possible. Has yeah. a dry wit. Uh, I think I think folks are really going to enjoy. It. I'm excited to see how that show develops. So, congratulations to Joe being now the co-host of yeah. Punching Cardboard, and I'm happy. And sad for Eric all at the same time. Yeah, it's bittersweet, that makes sense, right? you know? And obviously, Jim being the one constant, hey, stay grumpy, Jim. Absolutely, buddy. It's all good. Yeah, hey, piss Grun- and vinegar. Grumpopotamus Rex. Seriously. Hey, all, this is Jeff from the best little city in America, the Queen City of the West, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And I'm borrowing the wife's studio so that I can quickly tell you why I support heavy cardboard and why I think you should, too. As the name implies, Heavy Cardboard focuses on board games that are on the heavier end of the spectrum, and that's a segment of the community that often doesn't get a podium. But what I really enjoy about the work of Edward and Amanda and the cast of characters that is Asher, Sweater Mike, Banker Dave, Tech Guru Matt, and Ash Jackson is the sense of community they offer to listeners, viewers, and patrons alike. Come for the games, stay for the camaraderie. Hope you'll find a way to support Edward and Amanda and all they do. Thanks, Heavy Cardboard. And CCMF. We've actually been playing a few games. Yeah, shockingly. That's weird. Yeah, huh? 
It's a good thing we don't have a show that de- depends on that. Why would you want to play games? Why would you want to play games for a board game podcast? Okay. It's just silly, chops. right? Jeez. So we did a playthrough of Tulip Bubble. We did a sponsored we playthrough did. of Tulip Bubble. However, what we're about to say is not sponsored. It is not. This is our own free will. Correct. To say as we will. <laughs> so that said, Tulip Bubble. Uh, I wasn't as excited about this as I was Mini Rails because I saw both the games at Gen Con. Mm-hmm. I saw the publisher, uh, Mo Ideas, was there, and David, who was the head of Mo Ideas, he was kind of giving me kind of a high level elevator pitch, mm-hmm. kind of running through the games because they both had them. They had them both on display, and Mini Rails, it's trains. Yeah. So yeah, kind of. I'm I'm predispositioned yeah, to enjoy that anyway, and. We've already spoken about that on the show. We did a playthrough of that as well. And everybody in our group universally enjoyed Mini Rails. However, Tulip Bubble, the concept appealed to me because it's about the Tulip Bubble in the 17th century in the the Netherlands, right? Fascinating. It really is. It's a real fascinating aspect of history. And I got to say... I can't really say I was pleasantly surprised because I kind of was hoping it would be good, but mm-hmm. it was better than I expected, I think, is a good way to put it. Definitely. It's it's much deeper than you would think just at first glance. It is, the more that you play it, the deeper it can go. You know, I mean, it's it's currency manipulation and currency speculation, really, and, but the currency's tulips. Well, there is, I mean, there's essentially two types of currency kind of yeah there's there's guilders which you know it, which is victory points in the game mm-hmm. however you're also uh bidding on these tulips based on the current market value mm-hmm. of it and you don't know necessarily you do know some of the information right. but not all of what way the market is going to shift between the three colors of tulips mm-hmm. and the different grades of tulips mm-hmm. so players are bidding on them or not to either it's basically arbitrage to where you're trying to i mean you're trying to buy low and sell it high the same tulip bubble and then you sell it back to the market and in theory other people will buy it then at Mm -hmm. the market to hope it goes even higher or you can sell to private collectors which is basically recipe fulfillment that you can do which gives you additional guilders Mm -hmm. And the game ends whenever the bubble bursts or someone buys the super lucrative, super fancy panda tulip. It's not really. (laughs) It's the black tulip. But it looks like a panda. It looks like a face of a panda, apparently, which I never saw until somebody was talking about it on a live stream. And now now you can't unsee it. Now it's just just the panda tulip. So all that said, the player interaction and the... Market manipulation Mm -hmm. that goes on because it is player controlled in a large aspect of the game. There is some unknown because at the beginning of each round, there's going to be an event that gets revealed. And one of the markets, one of the three colors of tulips will either go up or go down. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, the market truly dictates the demand for these tulips and whether or not the price increases or the price mm-hmm. decreases across the board for all three different colors, colored tulips. And for economic gamers that love dynamic markets, that's exactly what this game models. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, like you were saying, you can you can kind of get a good feel for what 
probably is going to happen with the movement up or down of the tulips. But with that that event card, you're never for sure. Which is important because it's a bubble. So you right. can't see when a bubble is going to burst because that defeats the whole concept of the game right. otherwise. And, and the game is you the last three cards, one of those last three is going to be the bubble. Right. It's mixed in in there somewhere. So once you get down to that point, you know it's going to come, but you don't know when. Right. You know, okay, there's a two-third percent chance right. that it's not going to, so I can push the envelope because it's positive expected value, exactly. that type thing. Right. But the cool aspect that is player-driven is depending at the end of the bidding phase, after all the tulips have been bought that players wish to buy between you get up to three bids per player, you see what people are bidding on. Mm -hmm. And whatever market is saturated, meaning whatever market of color of tulips has the most that's left out there, that price drops because there's so many, right, the market's saturated. And demand. Right. Whereas the most rare or the most high in demand mm -hmm. goes up, yep. which is exactly how it's supposed to work, yep. right? It's just like real life. So if that appeals to you, then this game's going to absolutely appeal to you. And it plays, I don't know, I want to say right at about an hour, yeah. depending on player count, give or take 15 minutes, but mm -hmm. you're looking at a, roughly an hour. So. This falls in the same kind of time frame and the same type of mental exercise as a Noya Heimat. Mm -hmm. It's not as mean as a game like that. No, but it definitely has a mean streak in it. It does. And there is some hidden trackable information in the game, but you don't have to use the player screens no. if you don't want to. So there you go. Now, now all of a sudden, it's all open information outside of that event and right. what tulips are going to come out the nice thing about that is you always see what tulips are coming out mm -hmm. for the next, next turn so you're always one turn ahead right. and one one thing though that would concern me a little bit with not using player screens would would it give the same dynamic as playing scoville without those screens would it just add and add and add to the amount of stuff you have to try to figure out before you do anything right which Adds to the AP or the, the length of the, the length, game unnecessarily. Yeah. And that's a valid concern. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that is the case. We haven't played it without the screens. Right. But there's also the same reason that some people play with open or closed money on games like Power Grid, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Or even Metropolis, like we were talking about in the last playthrough. That It never would occur to me to not have my buildings hidden. But at the same time, at no point do, do the rules say one way or the nope. other. Whereas this does explicitly say mm -hmm. to keep it behind your screens, your money, and any tulips that you won. So it becomes... You know, like I said, hidden trackable information. But again, you don't have to use the screen. No. So either way, the option is there for you. Mm -hmm. So moral of the story, though, is everybody in our group that has played this, including present company, yeah. I assume, yeah. really enjoyed both of these games. Very much so. Uh, these being... The two MOA ideas games, right? Right. Uh, Mini Rails and Tulip Bubble. Right. I've played Tulip Bubble now... Three times, as have Me you. Too. Uh, do you feel comfortable giving it a rating? I don't know yet. I don't think so. Okay. What about you? I'm kind of split between a four and a five, to okay. be honest, right now. Um, because I really think that it, it very much could be a five, but I'm not sure after only three so plays. Then so then it's a four. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I, I think I would like to reserve judgment okay. on that 
for right now and we'll revisit uh, after a couple more plays. Yeah, I think I would need a couple more just to see about I, the variability and about how it goes. And I want to see it at different player counts because yeah. we've played it now at four and five and enjoyed the game at both. Right. Yeah. Yes, but I don't know. I mean, with auction games, it's kind of hard to know lower than four, you know, but I'd like to see and see what it, see how it is for yes, sure. Yes, agreed. But... Early return so far at four and five. Good. Definitely recommended uh, as far as where it falls on that scale. We're not sure, right. but we we definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, very much so. All right. So another game that is, you know, currency or stock manipulation would be 4X, right? Yeah, 4X, short for foreign exchange by Hollenspiel. We got this game, I don't know, what, a week and a half ago, thereabouts or yeah. so. And the first thing I did is I flipped the box over to read the back of the box, and that was one of the highlights of my entire gaming career. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> Literally. So, 4X is not available at your lo friendly local online game store or friendly local game store. So, with that said, Tom and Mary, who are the folks behind Hollenspiel, which are the publishers, and Tom being the designer of 4X, Decided to have a little bit of fun with the back of the box. And here's, it just indulge me, and I promise I'll, it's going to be worth you listening to. So here we go. 4X. Why on earth did you buy this game? This is a game about currency trading. Each currency only has val value relative to six other currencies. And when you strengthen the value of one currency, it weakens each other currency, but only relative to the strengthened currency. Imagine the excitement. Before your turn, one U.S. dollar is worth two Japanese yen, and one British pound is worth four U.S. dollars. But then, through a savvy investment, you strengthen the U.S. dollar, and now one U.S. dollar is worth two and a half yen, and one British pound is worth three U.S. dollars. One of the other players has made a contract with the bank on a previous turn to buy six yen for three U.S. dollars. When the contract is resolved, it must be per the original terms, $3 for 6 yen. Even though the buying power of $3 would now net somebody 7.5 yen as opposed to 6. He has sustained a ruinous loss. Your opponent's gaze upon the board, nodding in solemn but rapturous appreciation of your cutthroat instincts and superior intellect. Or, they wonder why they let you pick the game tonight. And why they invite you to game night, or why they married you. This is a nerdy, opaque, butterfly effect game. Possibly the nerdiest, opaquest, butterfly effectist game in your entire collection. It is about the driest and least interesting topic imaginable. It has a thing called a quote-unquote contract queue, and every investment pays the same thing. Two bucks of the indicated currency, regardless of the currency's value, yet somehow... Some investments are significantly better than others. You can be absolutely vicious to your opponents, but it will always, almost always, be by accident, like a compliment that went horribly wrong and ballooned into an all-night argument that lingers uncomfortably for days and weeks. This is a game that feels suspiciously like math, only it's a math where the values of X are ever-shifting, elusive, and transitory. Why on earth did you buy this game? Because all of that sounds like fun to you for some reason. And that's okay. It sounds like fun to us too. 
It always has. Dating back to our very first prototype nearly seven years ago, we've always believed in 4X. It hasn't been easy. Publisher after publisher told us the game would never sell. The big guys turned us down. The medium guys turned us down. The little guys turned us down. We even talked to one of those super niche 18xx publishers who felt that there wasn't a market even among their customers. When your stuff is too nerdy even for train gamers, you got a problem. Sometimes it felt like we were the only people in the world who could possibly be interested in this. That feeling persisted when we started Hollenspiel, and when we started we had no intention of dusting off this old weird game of Tom's. But then the support of gamers like yourselves convinced us that we're not alone. That there existed a special, peculiar audience for a special, peculiar game like this one. An audience made up of, wait for it, special, peculiar people. And here you are. You're holding the box in your hands, reading these words. You're interested in this game. Not despite its dry, weird nerdiness, but because of it. You bought this game because it's for you. And you are who we published it for. You are the reason we publish games in the first place. Thank you so very much for being you, and happy gaming from all of us at Hollenspiel. Best, Tom and Mary. Mic drop. That's yeah, it. seriously. Boom, done. I've never been so excited to be called a special, peculiar person. And wow, this game. So at game day on Saturday, we decided, and by we, I mean all of us, hey, we have six. Y'all want to try 4X? <laughs> Everybody was like, yeah, let's get into it. How long is it? I said, eh, it shouldn't be more than 90 minutes. Rule number one, don't learn the game at six players uh-huh. when all six are new. No. And we did one of the biggest thing no-nos that we ever do at game day. And we learned a game from reading the rule book during game day. Normally, somebody has always mm-hmm. learned it ahead of time, the whole nine yards. Rule book's only eight pages, but of those eight, only five actually have rules. So my level of excitement about this game was pegged <laughs> out when we got started. As we started going through the rule book, it was starting to wane a little, I'll be honest, because it read like stereo instructions. Not that the rules were bad, just what? What did I just read? That type thing. And so then we started playing and that that word opaque keeps coming up. The Okay, I understand the rules, but what the hell am I trying to do here? So all six of us are fumbling along trying to figure out what the hell we're trying (laughs) to do here. And my interest kind of bottomed out at that point in the game because I was like, I just don't get it. I just have no clue what the hell I'm trying to do. 90 minutes, remember? Two hours into the game, we're about two-thirds of the way through the game at this point. Again, six-player learning game. Don't do that. And right around the same time, it all started to click for all six of us. It was pretty funny because it's a learning game, so we were all talking out loud and kind of thinking right. out loud. And and yeah, we're playing against one another, but we're also, oh, hey, this means this, which means this, and and all of that. And my interest started to, started to trickle back up. <laughs> and by the end of the game, out of the six of us, Two of us appreciated the game mm-hmm. and could see the genius in the design and said, yeah, I'm all set. Thanks. Four of us, however, were like, yeah, we need to do this again <laughs> soon. I'm really, really excited. 
So even within the heavy cardboard core group, mm-hmm. there's going to be a subset of folks that are willing to tackle this game. So even with our group, not everybody is going is interested right. in this game. So during setup, the game is fiddly in a sense because you have markers and they're all in pairs for the different currencies to where every time a currency goes up one step, it appreciates in value or depreciates in value. All the according all the all the matching chits have to adjust on the different tracks because that's all it is is a tracker to keep track of the value of a currency against another currency. And we didn't realize the importance of everybody kept investing in in currencies without a real good reason for understanding why we should be investing in a currency or not. Until we started to make contracts. Hey, I'm going to invest. I'm going to say that when this contract comes due, that I will pay three US dollars for 11 Chinese yuan. Okay. But then I'm going to be flush in yuan. So then I want to maybe set up another contract that trades maybe eight of those Chinese yuan for six Japanese yen because Japanese yen I think is going to go up based on the investments that people have. But whenever you do that, you're taking a risk that people can tank the value of these different investments by selling their contracts. Mm -hmm. When they sell their contracts, they cash out. And for every contract that they sell, just like in an 18xx game, the value of that uh, of that currency drops by one step. Mm-hmm. So if Amanda sells two contracts of Japanese yen and another player then sells one in the same turn, because when somebody sells a contract, it opens it up for everybody clockwise around the table. And you can just kind of see a cascading effect of, oh, wow, if you're going to tank the value, I better get out of it now. Mm-hmm. So I will sell the contract as well. So all of a sudden, Amanda's two selling became six contracts being sold and it crashes the value of that currency. But the interesting thing about that is whenever you sell these contracts, you get the currency that you are cashing in for. So now you have, you just devalued this currency that you're now flush with. So now you have to raise the value of that. And it's just a really... Opaque, very <laughs> hard to understand. It, the rules aren't hard. It's the effects of what your decisions are. The butterfly are. effect you talked about. Exactly. is really difficult. Now, this is one game. But this, I will say, that I am really excited again about playing this game. Like I said, I was super, I was like at a 10 of, yeah, I can't wait to get this out. By the end of... Up until the two-hour mark of the game, I was probably closer to a five, maybe a four at oh, that wow. point. And then as it started to click a little bit here and there, I was like, oh, <laughs> oh. And it just kept going up and up and up. And we're back to a probably around a nine that, yeah, I really, really want to get this played. That said, 
I think three or four is probably a good spot okay. to learn it at and then maybe get your first few games. And then as people get more experience, then expand it a little, then expand the player count. Again, this is off of one game. It's, it's essentially a, a first look at it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if, if the back of the box, if that makes it sound interesting <laughs> to you, then I definitely would recommend checking out the game. If it doesn't, then stay away because it doesn't get like more exciting than that. It literally is all about, for the second game in a row now, arbitrage. Yeah. That's all you're doing. And in fact, the the little, whenever uh, dividends are paid out, it actually says your partner's in arbitrage. So, yeah. So if that sounds interesting to you, definitely check it out. Uh, there's going to be more about this in, in future episodes, right. I have no doubt. And I didn't play it. That's why I've been silent this whole time. Right. She was there for the rules reading, but I don't know how much you absorb. I don't I don't do well just watching rules. I have to play the game to be able for it to click. All right. So anyway, but we wanted to at least touch base yeah. and, and talk about our, my first impression with 4X. Definitely. That, yeah, this is definitely going to be a nerdy's. A, a nerd's nerdiest game, <laughs> I think, is a good way to describe myself and those that might be interested in this game. Um, but yeah, seriously, kudos to Tom and Mary for the back of the box. To just, you know what? Look, this is what it is. Here it is. Point blank. Take it or leave it. Yep. That was That's a lot of fun. So while you were playing St. Petersburg, I was playing Food Chain Magnate with some a few people and some sharks in that game. Oh my god, sweater Mike! Just you. Whenever you sit down to play food chain, you can literally just get right back up again because you're gonna lose and you're gonna lose to him and you're he's gonna make you cry like a little baby. So did that happen? I cried like a little baby. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but I usually do with food chain. Food chain confuses me and it makes me feel like the game is smarter than I am. How so? I just. I just can't wrap my brain around it. I don't know, and I don't know why. I mean, I've played it plenty of times. I still just get hung up with where to put my first business for it to be good, to be able to have either a monopoly or a one delivery or a zero delivery. Or zero, right, right. In other words, on the same tile right. as where your restaurant I is. Just, I, I just, I don't really use marketing very well. I, just, I don't know. You know, it's funny you bring up marketing that, you know, that's why that's not your, that's not your forte, Exactly. Right? That's why I make graphics. <laughs> so but, you weren't, you weren't on the show for Food Chain, were you? I don't think so. No, I know I wasn't actually, because I remember you and Tony playing it two player and I wasn't there. Um, but I mean, I still agree that it was by far the Golden Elephant Award winner for that year, but it doesn't mean that I am not like, What? with the game it's so hard maybe you and i should play it some more two-player to get kind of get you a little bit more yeah. comfortable fluent. yeah or, or comfortable well, I, think, and I, yeah. I feel like that with you i feel a lot more open to asking questions and being like hey do you think this is a good spot for me to put stuff you know or is this a good place for me to put my restaurant things like that but if I'm playing with other people, I'm not that comfortable, which I mean. Why? I mean, within our own group, I, I just, would imagine. I'm really, no, just, I just really not. And it's, I I think it might be more of a a Taurus hard-headed thing where I'm just like. Whoa, 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 whoa. you? Yeah. Hard, hard-headed. I know really? it's really, it's weird, right? I'm never, I'm not, you couldn't say that to describe me at all, ever. Uh-uh. <laughs> 
hashtag sarcasm. But I just, yeah, that I think that playing it a couple a couple of times, just me and you, or maybe me, you and Matt, I think would maybe solidify it a little more. I just, I'm, I'm just not comfortable asking for help for around other people. Is it that game in particular? Yeah. With Fujane specifically, what that that's interesting. Isn't that weird? Eh, not weird, but maybe a little weird. Yeah. No, okay. Maybe. No, yeah. I don't know. All right. So overall, though, Fujane. Overall, it's awesome. Okay. okay. All right. And I got a guru really quickly too. I was very proud of myself. All right. So the last game we've been playing is Wildcatters. Wildcatters 2.0 specifically. 2.0. We're going to be doing a live stream of this on Friday for those that are interested. I'm excited about this because I was a really big fan of Wildcatters we when both it first were. came. Yeah. True. When it first came out and we, we've played it a number of times. Yeah. Now, the second edition makes some definite uh, cosmetics changes as well as some mechanical changes but i don't feel like with let me let me put a let me try this a different way the original wildcatters as written in the rule book this game is different however there has been kind of a uh revive a revision to the rules that was posted on bgg by andre one of the designers Uh and the last few times we've played the game we have played with this quote-unquote variant that essentially is the second edition with a couple other little small minor changes that I think enhances the game and makes the game a little bit less random with the areas in which you're yeah. able to uh, work and and build for oil mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So I was, we were smitten with this game from the word go, years, right? Years, literally, yeah. I've always loved the game. I've always loved the play of it. The just the art is gorgeous. The str- the strategy of tr- figuring out where the best place to maybe hey, let's put a refinery over here because maybe that'll maybe that'll get me the majority that I need in that specific area, stuff like that. Right, because the game is a bunch of mini area majority games yeah. for the majority of the scoring at the end of the game. Now, the second edition removes the interim scoring that the first game had. Mm -hmm. It removes money from the game. However, it replaces them with workers, which six of one have dozen the other. It's the same thing. It really is. It's just the thing that I would stress to players is you can only spend money on your turn and you spend shares in your own company on your turn and on other players' turns. Here, sub in the word workers for money. And it's the same mm-hmm. thing. It really is. There are some changes. Like I said, there are uh, consolidation tokens mm-hmm. that are available, which are just extra victory point and small uh, share generators, kind of an engine, a very small Tiny engine, engine, though. The game, as I said, is, an, is a grouping of area majorities along with being able to drill for oil and then the transportation of this oil to various refineries around the world and then once those refineries fill up they then empty to go into these from whatever continent they mm-hmm. were in to then become area majorities for the end of the game there's shares in this game that just it's really important to make sure that you don't run out of your own shares Loans come into play. Mm -hmm. There are wildcatters, which are independent, little, tiny, little oil corporations that 
that players bid for. Mm -hmm. And that's also in-game scoring. Yep. So overall, we're really big fans of the game. Oh, it have been for a long time. Right. You and I reviewed this in episode 47. We did. And you can go back and listen to that. Like I said, we're going to do a live stream playthrough of it on Friday for the second edition, which it's going to look very similar to the first edition. Again, cosmetic changes, some... You know, there's more wooden bits. They've changed some of the stuff as a, mm-hmm. from cardboard they to changed wood. The oil derricks, the cards are bigger, the art's different, just a little bit on the cards, and colors are different. Colors are more obvious. But the gameplay, for the most part, is the same yeah. thing. So I'm really excited to be able to show this off to folks, as well as I'm excited that it's going to have a second edition or another printing right. to I'm, be able to make it more available yes, to folks. It's, I mean, the gameplay, like you said, is essentially the same. And we've always loved it. And I am very happy now that more people are going to get to see this game and be able to play it because it deserves to be played. It's a great game. And if you are into written reviews, which I definitely appreciate a couple of specific uh, reviewers out there, uh, Ben Challey, I believe uh, is his name. He did a amazing write-up, Games You're Missing Out On or something like that. About Wildcatters. It's the most thumbed, positive, whatever, upvoted, fill in the right word, uh, review over on BGG. Mm -hmm. Definitely would recommend you listening to our episode and reading that review. And Mm -hmm. then hopefully checking out the uh, the playthrough on Friday. So that's Wildcatters 2.0. It's not called that, but But it's Wildcatters. That's what we'll call it. Yeah. So that's a wrap on the episode this week, huh? Yeah, it's, we talked about four games that we're either really enjoying or looking forward to enjoying even more. Right, and and positive outlook on all yeah. four for for those that are still early on, be mm-hmm. it Tulip Bubble, 4X, F-O-R-E-X. Mm-hmm. Foreign Exchange. What, Food Chain Magnate, Golden Elephant Award winner, yeah. and Wildcatters. Golden Elephant Award finalists. So, yeah, not really terribly surprised that we're excited about market manipulation, stock investing. And splatter. And area majority games. Really? I'm shocked, you say. Shocked. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, we'll catch you all next week. Mm -hmm. And then the following week, I figure we can touch base, let you guys know that in two weeks, we're not going to have an episode for y'all on Thursday. And that's because. We're going to have daily diaries for the entire time that we're gone. Netherlands as well as through Essen. Mm-hmm. So provided we have decent enough internet to be able to upload that's, everything. That's the main crux of this issue here. <laughs> as long as we do, and we should. We should, yes. Then you guys are going to get, I don't know, what is it? Like eight, nine, ten mm-hmm. days, whatever, of daily diaries from the trip to the Netherlands. Dutch Area. Uh, heavy cardboard game day yeah. and all of Essen. Yeah, so. so it'll one of one or two of those days may be you know us just deliriously talking about random things because we're so tired we don't know which ends up. Wait, just one or two? I'm sure there's going to be a lot of late nights <laughs> over the course of this, but that's that's what going to these big conventions is all about. Yeah, that happens it truly is, and hopefully we're going to have some special guests joining us on some of these yes. daily diaries. So. Looking forward to that. Hopefully, y'all are as well. And we'll catch you either on the live streams or 
next episode. Next episode. Catch y'all later. Bye, everybody. Love you, Jim. We love you, buddy. You're still grumpy, though. He's sensitive, though. People don't realize just how sensitive he is. A lot like me in a lot yeah, of respects definitely. like that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely.